Well, hey, everybody, it's Kevin Stevenson, and you're on I Don't Care with, yeah, me, Kevin Stevenson. It's it's kind of easy, right? Uh, Market Scale Radio, anytime, uh, you know, you can catch up with us. Uh, got a really interesting guest today. You know, I've said before, you know, the tech side of healthcare is probably not my bailiwick, and so that's why I get really great guests that, you know, I can just throw a couple of softball questions to them, and they just take off, so I can be quiet. You don't have to listen to me. You don't want to listen to me anyway. You want to listen to my guests. So today's guest is David Priner. David is the CEO of Medevolve. And so, David, welcome to I Don't Care. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Excited to be here and uh, love to talk to you about uh, tech and healthcare. Well, I, I appreciate that because I've definitely got a lot to learn. So, so David, just tell my uh, my audience a little bit about about you and some of you, you got some real fascinating, uh, you got a fascinating background and some other startups. And so just kind of, again, tell us about you, tell us about Medevolve and some of the other things that you've been involved in. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So uh, Kevin, I've got, uh, uh, you know, over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship and, you know, kind of bootstrapped three companies from uh, essentially nothing to multi-million dollar success. Um, decided that I wanted a little bit more out of life and, and got really curious uh, about, you know, biology and, you know, dove into academia, ended up at Harvard uh, through their extension program, uh, and honestly just fell in love with biology uh, and fell in love with, you know, biotechnology and all the new things that are happening right now. And that led me down a path where I started a couple of companies uh, that basically it became uh, what is now today's Zenomics, uh, which is basically a full stack synthetic biology company, uh, you know, kind of a mini Ginkgo Bioworks, if you will. Um, and one of our partners was actually Medevolve on the clinical diagnostics side to, you know, kind of help combat, uh, you know, COVID-19 and in our own small way. Um, and when the opportunity to, you know, join Medevolve uh, became available, I was very attracted to it because, you know, Medevolve has a couple of really key assets that made me curious about a problem and looking at, you know, not just COVID-19, but some of the systemic issues in healthcare. Um, and two of the main assets that Medevolve had as an investment issuer uh, was initially the, the COVID-19 test collection sites, mm -hmm. uh, which is a national network, as well as uh, pharmacy acquisitions. So what, what you know, kind of dawned on me as I was thinking about the, the puzzle here, and, you know, there are also some B2B relationships and uh, other things in the world, you know, just focusing on those two assets, I, I thought about it for a while and I said, you know what, there's a, a pretty big disconnect in healthcare. And I, I uh, was also at Boston Children's Hospital. I was in, at, at Harvard for, you know, four years and uh, not as a physician, but as a tech. And, you know, one of the things that I saw there was uh, essentially a, a rubric where you would take a baseline with a patient, um, make some changes to their, to their medications, uh, and then obtain the diagnostic benchmarks again to see if the patient has uh, improve their health or, or not. Um, and that was in the, the context of, of treating patients with refractory epilepsy, which is very, very difficult. And I thought mm -hmm. to myself, wouldn't it be interesting if we could take that same concept that's been used to treat some of the most complex problems that we know of in healthcare, um, like refractory epilepsy, and take that and bring that approach to every American and make it very accessible um, and, and essentially tie in a closed loop system where you could take, uh, you know, use clinical diagnostics to obtain, you know, 100, 200 biomarkers uh, that are all measurable, that are all factual, that are all data driven. Uh, use that, combine it with, you know, the data and information available for that patient's uh, specific, uh, 
you know, pharmaceuticals that they're currently taking, current medications, mm -hmm. and then essentially run that through an AI algorithm to say, look, is there an opportunity to optimize their medications? Uh, you know, go up on, on one med, down on another, mm -hmm. brand name to generic, uh, wean off medications when possible. And by making those small changes, could we measurably improve human health? So the, the thesis is very simple, is that we would essentially obtain a baseline, you know, make recommendations based on the initial first impression of how to optimize uh, that person's uh, individual medications. And then three to six months down the road, we would obtain the same clinical biomarkers uh, and it's gonna give us real data. And it's gonna say one of two things, either we improve that person's health or, or we didn't. Um, it's all measurable, it's all mm -hmm. trackable. And the beauty of that approach isn't that we're gonna win every single time from day one, but if we scale that to a cycle that repeats itself, where every three to six months, the same patients are, are constantly optimizing their health until they become as healthy as they possibly can be. And then you scale that to you know, tens of thousands of patients within the Metabolic Network, excuse me. Um, I, I think it's a very good hypothesis and thesis um, that you know, we should be able to use you know, very straightforward uh, approaches in mathematics and you know, mm -hmm. AI. Uh, deep learning to essentially build a system that, you know, constantly gets smarter um, and is able to make really, really good recommendations of how to optimize human health. Um, and I think that's what got me excited about Medevolve. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a financial opportunity. It wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. the public market side. Uh, as, as cool as those things are, the real opportunity is to see if we can optimize human health in a way never done before. Um, and, and really, to be honest, I just want to kind of publish a paper and see what we can do around it and build a platform that, you know, people like myself would want to use every single day. Sure. Um, you know, people like my parents, people like my wife. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's what America needs right now is to, to close the loop and have that continuity of care. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we face often, you know, I'm here in Central Texas, but it's, it's a, an issue certainly uh, across the country is just access to healthcare. And, and you know, there was one point made that uh, during the pandemic, approximately 90% of preventative screenings and checkups were either canceled or delayed. And so we're seeing a huge influx of patients uh, whose disease states are, 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 have evolved from, you know, a manageable chronic state to an acute care state. Uh, you know, we see that, we're seeing that a lot here at my hospital. So tell me a little bit how a, you know, a dis disruptive technology company like Medevolve uh, is going to, to really make a difference in that, uh, in that area. That, that's a great question, Kevin. So, you know, one of it's, and it's funny you say uh, Central Texas. So we do have a couple of large uh, hospital networks we're, we're, we're currently discussing uh, you know, kind of our, our offerings with on essentially a B2B approach, okay. uh, which goes hand in hand with the cubes. The cubes are essentially our retail side. The, the hospital networks would then be uh, essentially a platform that's almost like wholesale. And what's great about it, where we can add value to a hospital network uh, is essentially to help them, uh, you know, provide uh, continuity of care mm -hmm. and give equal care to all patients. Um, so the, the way the system would work is very simple. A, a physician would sign up on our platform. And again, we're in the process of building all this, but the physician would sign up, um, you know, merge their, uh, you know, patient database from Epic or, you know, whatever commercially available uh, EMR that they're currently using, uh, port the information over, 
um, run it through our AI, and then uh, the physician would get a little ping notification for each patient uh, that would say, you know, recommendations on how to optimize their care and optimize mm -hmm. their, uh, their medications. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, based on the, the physician's, you know, interpretation of that data, uh, they would be able to invite patients to also join the platform. And the great thing is, is uh, once a patient joins the platform, then it's, it levels the playing field in terms of, uh, you know, communicating knowledge. It provides, um, you know, essentially a, a way for patients to access the results for all the different tests that, that would be offered. Uh, it's a way where patients can track the data as it changes over time. Um, and it's a way that, that holds patients accountable um, so that these, these chronic conditions uh, can be managed as, you know, in the best way possible to avoid exactly the, the type of scenario you're discussing where, uh, you know, something that's chronic yet manageable now becomes an acute, you know, more emergency state crisis. Um, and I think you're, you hit the nail on the head, you know, that the, one of the most devastating aspects of the current, um, you know, pandemic has been that many, many patients, millions of patients, uh, haven't received care for the existing chronic conditions they had before COVID-19. Um, and, and we're not fighting just one pandemic. We have many uh -huh. scenarios that are, are already endemic. We've got diabetes, we've got cancer, and exactly. these really yeah. complex problems that are, are really undernourished in the current ecosystem. So where technology can play a role to, to solve that um, or to contribute working towards a solution is it, it helps hold everyone accountable to a very specific plan that's measured and backed by data. Huh. Um, and then based on that data, patients and providers can make the most informed decision for that particular patient's health. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's, that's great to hear because we, we've got to figure out, you know, we almost have to win these patients back. You know, not, I'm just saying, I'm using the global we, you know, because they've been so used to being disengaged over the last year. Uh, you know, we've got to go out there and make that case that, that hey, you've got to take charge of your health again. And so, you know, uh, we as a, as a hospital system certainly need all the help that we can get in that regard. So, so you know, within the pandemic, you know, that's one thing. What other new innovations have, have you and, and your, uh, your companies uh, created or, or foresee in the, in the near future that have arisen from, uh, from what you found during the pandemic? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, well, obviously there are some really interesting projects that I've, I've worked on recently. Um, you know, there are some things in, in the mental health space, uh, a lot of things around looking at, you know, molecular synthesis and, you know, synthetic biology in terms of, mm -hmm. uh, again, outside of Metabolve, because uh, that's kind of how the question was phrased. But, sure. Um, you know, when, when you actually ask about like maybe a, an underpinning theme there is how does this all merge together? And, you know, it actually makes me think back a little bit further than, than the pandemic. Uh, and this is while I was in, in, in academia, uh, I attended a, a few different hackathons. So basically it's a computer programming competition where you'll go, uh, gather with a group of strangers you've never met before on a Friday night and by Sunday morning or, you know, noon on Sunday, you essentially present uh, and you're competing against, you know, a few hundred teams um, to, to make the coolest new technologies. Hmm. And in each instance, uh, I, I essentially competed at, you know, Harvard, uh, Stanford and Yale, uh, as well as a couple other places. Um, and in, in each instance, we built essentially AI driven platforms. Um, those were specifically around seizure detection. So I built one that was based on reading and, and interpreting an EEG 
um, which is fairly complex and, and scrambled data. Right. Uh, there's some, some neat tricks that you can use mathematically and some cool formulas that make computers really good at reading EEGs, which is, has been a hard problem that a lot of big companies weren't able to solve. Um, other things that we worked on was with the Microsoft Band using some of the uh, tools and analytics available there was to make a, a successful seizure detection watch that, um, you know, worked at least in the prototype stage uh, that that won an award as well. Um, so those those types of technologies, I think, are something that have really been, um, you know, kind of in my heart and mind for a long time. And it's been an approach in healthcare that I think is, is long overdue. Um, and that's why I'm so excited about Metavolve, because it really gives the opportunity to go full circle, uh, mm -hmm. where, it, you know, let's say that, it, you know, I was working at a big company, you know, Microsoft or Google or Amazon, you know, they don't have the, the direct patient access that Metavolve does. And even yeah. though Metavolve is small, where the advantage comes in is that we can go full circle. You know, we can take the retail, you know, test collection sites uh, and, and the pharmacy that we've got and essentially build our platform ourselves, hmm. and then allow patients and, um, you know, care providers and prescribers, uh, you know, that we're bringing on board of the platform as well, make the decisions together. And, you know, obviously it's all reviewed by a person. It's not completely, uh, you yeah. know, just an autonomous robot or something. But what's great about it is that they can take charge of their health and it's real people, real scenarios, real data. Um, and I think to go back to your point, the biggest thing that's come out of the pandemic um, is, is exactly what you referenced already, where there, it, it breaks the continuity of care that may yeah. have already had, a, a, you know, many Americans may have already had a troubled relationship or, or a lack of continuity of care. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think one of the things that, that is long frustrating me with the healthcare system in the U.S. is that you, you have the same socioeconomic uh, gaps that you see in other areas, such as education, uh, such as income, and all these other areas that, that play in our lives, you see that in healthcare. And, mm -hmm. you know, my philosophy is that every American, regardless of income level, regardless of socioeconomic background or any, any other factor that makes us, you know, unique and amazing individual human beings. Um, I think the bottom line is everyone deserves the best possible care that we can provide. And what, what gets me so excited about Metaball's, you know, platform is the ability to level the playing field. Um, and really focus on providing that continuity of care, the highest level of care to, to everyone who gets involved. Mm -hmm. um, and I think where that benefits providers, um, you know, is, is it gives them the opportunity to, you know, streamline decisioning. Because, you know, if you look at the, the data, you know, there are parts of this country where some physicians see 60, 70 patients a day, you know, pre-pandemic. And, um, you know, it's, it's so fast, right? oh, yeah. there's, it makes it almost an impossibility, e even if you're a brilliant physician, which I, I know many of them are, uh, it, it's hard to, to read an entire history to analyze, right. you know, conflicts in the prescription drugs or uh, counterindications that could occur. And, you know, again, these are complex challenges and complex problems. And that's why I think having this, this automated solution uh, it is a big value add to the community and, and, you know, uh, kind of can help us make the best of a bad situation, which, again, the company was founded out of, um, you know, the current pandemic and, and COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, instead of looking at it glass half full and as, as disappointing and, and devastating as this pandemic has been for all of us, um, looking at it as an opportunity to say, how do we do better? How do we push healthcare further than it's ever gone before? How do we improve patient care? Mm -hmm. And how do we 
increase access. And I think out of the pandemic, that is really the, the main pillar that's got me excited. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, I don't say it keeps me up at night because it's kind of in a good way, but uh, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, you've touched on a lot of things here. Uh, one thing that I'd like to, I'd like to hear a little bit more of uh, is around behavioral health. You know, we found in the pandemic, and we have a large uh, uh, behavioral health hospital that's part of our system here uh, in, uh, in Central Texas. And so we, in effect, became the default uh, behavioral health provider for our region because so many of the services that the county and, and various cities uh, provided were shut down. And so we saw a huge influx of patients uh, into our ED with behavioral health issues that even more so than we did in the past. So, so tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing in, in that arena, because that really, that really interests me. Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, in terms of Medevolve, I think that's something we're going to look at how we integrate it, um, you know, into this platform. Mm -hmm. um, and the same way we would take clinical biomarkers from diagnostics, you know, there could be other ways we track um, underpinning data points and, and, you know, work decisioning models into that. Um, again, focusing on how we optimize medications or other lifestyle changes uh, to improve human health. Um, you know, since the initial question was also kind of what have I done outside of Medevolve, yeah. um, one of Zenomics projects is to, uh, you know, essentially create novel molecules for, for drug discovery. Hmm. Um, so the, the way we would approach that situation is really one of two scenarios. Uh, one is using uh, a technique called retrobiosynthesis. So you essentially say, what is the end target molecule you're looking for? Uh, and then how do you reverse engineer it so that you can get it from very cheap uh, substrates or initial compounds? Um, and what's great about that is you can essentially program cells where they'll uh, essentially express specific enzymes that are all designer uh, that catalyze those reactions. So unlike organic chemistry, you're not going through cycles of hot and cold and you know, mixing chemical A and chemical B in a beaker. Um, but that's also the other approach. Anything that you can't use uh, or, or manufacture using retrobiosynthesis, you can use retrosynthesis in organic chemistry mm. and essentially break a, uh, these building blocks down to their smallest level. Um, and I think, you know, there's been a big demand right now for, you know, drug discovery and mental health. The, the challenge there is it's a much longer road, right? You know, drug discovery could be, you know, a five or 10 year plan. There's lots of research, wow. lots of R&D. It's very cost intensive. So I think where, where Medevolve could become involved, in, and again, I don't know if I'm quite ready to say a specific plan of how it ties in. I think that's, you know, could very well be a big part of our, you know, essentially AI platform and how we how we improve human health, um, because obviously, um, you know, it's, it's, it could be the next pandemic, you know, mental health in America. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think we'll have to look closely at how we can build uh, systems and integrate it with the Metabolic platform to really add value in that arena, um, which right now I think we're, we're, you know, still in the design phase. So uh, that's yet to be deterred. Okay. But we're, we're certainly excited and aware of it. Yeah, totally. Fair enough. Well, and you touched on, you know, what we talked about a little bit earlier around access. You know, I spent a lot of time in rural healthcare too. And, and you know, we are, we're, we're reaching crisis, uh, a crisis point in rural healthcare around the uh, supply of physicians. And so we've got to find ways, how can we extend physicians, you know, besides just tele, telemedicine, which is kind of the obvious answer. 
but how else can we extend you know the ability to provide primary care in say you know an outstate nebraska or western texas or somewhere up in the dakotas or wyoming or, or frankly even in you know major metropolitan areas in certain in certain parts of the cities where they're just devoid of of providers so so you know i'm really interested in you know how can how can how can you continue to help drive that solution yeah that that's a really really good point and i think you're you're hitting the nail on the head with a a, a pretty systemic challenge that we have uh in u.s healthcare and you know, maybe first it would be good to, to, you know, instead of jumping right to the conclusion of how we mm -hmm. would approach that problem, maybe one thing to acknowledge is that healthcare is, is you know, isn't a one-size-fits-all. It's become right. a, 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 an industry that's highly specialized. So one of the things that I saw, again, at Boston Children's Hospital is that many patients would go from specialist to specialist to specialist. Um, and again, when you're, you're at one hospital and and in a place that you know has is really good at taking care of patients, then that that's not so much of a problem. You can still keep continuity of care. Everyone mm -hmm. works together, and it's very much a team you know effort. But now take patients who perhaps have been to three or four hospitals before that type of environment, um, and, and I've heard many stories from them where you, you get totally different information from different specialists, um, and, and oftentimes they conflict. And I mm -hmm. think that's. That's one of the big challenges or underpinning reasons why that continuity of care uh, is a problem. And also, you know, when you're a highly specialized physician, you know, the challenge for rural areas is that you can't go somewhere that's extremely rural. Right. If you have a very niche, uh, you know, type of industry, you have to go to, to larger markets. You have to go to hospitals that are going to, you know, give you that steady influx of patients because it might only be point. 0.1% of all the patients who come in the door that, okay, yep, you need this, you know, uh, neurosurgery for, you know, uh, you know, refractory epilepsy as a yeah. Well, and, and I've got a specific example for that. I had a physician friend of mine who was a pediatric uh, uh, orthopedic oncology, oncology surgeon. And I said, so what size market do you have to be in to be able to, you know, make a you know, make a difference and make a living. He said, I, I've got to be somewhere that's a minimum of 2 million people. And so, yeah, you know, it, it's great that we have, we have those providers that become highly subspecialized, but it greatly limits, you know, where they can be. So, interesting. So, yeah, and, and you know what, where this kind of brings us to go full circle and answer your question, that's exactly part of the, the Metabolic solution that we're working towards. Uh, the reason why, is that if you have these, these you know, areas that are very rural, um, what's so great about the platform, the way we're designing it, is that, uh, you know, essentially you combined, um, you know, the, the local, uh, you know, collection sites, which are able to, again, obtain those early, you know, benchmarks and, and you know, clinical data, which are, mm -hmm. are likely going to be one to 200 different biomarkers. Um, then it goes through an AI system um, where it consolidates also as part of that all the pharmacy prescriptions into one spot. Um, the reason why you want to do that is to identify if there are any counterindications or sure. back those, those rubrics also into the AI. Um, and then essentially what we're building the model is you get essentially like a little sugar packet. It almost looks like filled with your medications, pre-labeled with a you know, mm -hmm. date and time stamp of when you should take it. Uh, and, and you'll get a box for the next you know, 30 to you know, 90 days worth of supply. 
So it, it makes it, you know, very much a customized and personal solution oh. that can reach every corner of America, especially these rural areas. And, you know, going back to how this helps uh, a system of highly specialized experts that we have in U.S. healthcare uh, are that physicians that have, you know, these niche industries that are looking for patients with, you know, very specific, um, you know, indications uh, and have answers. You know, I, I think the way we would look at the problem is that in every scenario possible, and I think that's how most providers will look at it as well, in every possible scenario, you want to, you know, first you try lifestyle changes, then you try medications, and then your last step would be, you know, surgical interventions. Yeah. Um, and I think what's, you know, a, a strength of the platform that we're building is that th that's exactly the way we would look at it. So if we go through a few iterations, or we see, you know, essentially red flags in, in terms of the biomarkers and the data, you know, we can expedite triaging patients to the specialist that they need to get in front of. Mm -hmm. um, and the great thing about that is from the, the provider standpoint is that that entire history and all of those data points come with. So we can make a, a you know, again, the thesis is that we'll be able to make a really good match where connecting the right patients with the right providers mm -hmm. um, to essentially allow physicians to you know, focus on what they do best, which is deliver outstanding care. Um, as opposed to, you know, uh, again, like you said, having to, uh, you know, essentially find, uh, okay, I have to be in this exact market. Yeah. My patients are only going to come from here. You know, what if, what if a, a great surgeon, you know, had patients from all over the country mm -hmm. and they just knew, hey, this is the person I should meet with. Uh, and it's worth hopping out a plane and, and staying a few days in a hotel right. uh, or, or whatever the case may be, right? If it's an inpatient procedure, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David... It's been fascinating, and, and again, you know, any time that I can uh, uh, learn at the uh, feet of the tech masters, I always appreciate that. So, uh, any final comments, final words uh, that you'd like to uh, to impart to uh, my audience? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, and thank you very much. It's it's been a, you know a pleasure, and and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I think, you know, what I would iterate to you know anyone who's watching this. Um, is that, you know, Medevol is open, you know, we're here, we want to be involved with communities, we want to be involved with patients. Um, you know, I think, despite us being in the early days of, you know, kind of building this platform and, um, you know, discovering where, you know, how far we can push this technology, I, I think that it, it's a great time for patients to get involved, it's a great time for stakeholders to get involved. Uh, because again, um, we're, we're at the beginning of this. So uh, we're excited to go on this journey with patients. Uh, and see based on data how far we can, you know, essentially engineer a system to build that recursive loop where, you know, clinical diagnostic data optimizes medications mm -hmm. and then measurably improves human health. Um, and, and I think anyone who wants to go on that journey, we'd, we'd love to hear from you and, and, and get involved. That's great. So how can they contact you, David? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, patients that are currently uh, in, in markets where we have, uh, you know, physical sites, um, we have them, you know, kind of scattered throughout the country. You can go to uh, testbeforeyougo.com uh, to see if we have a, a local site in your, your market, uh, and you can schedule an appointment to, to kind of come on in. We're still focused on, you know, primarily COVID-19 testing as mm -hmm. we're, we're building this platform out, uh, but we will have a wait list uh, available on that site uh, very shortly where patients can sign up with their email and essentially pre-subscribe to the app uh, to, to get involved as, as soon as they, uh, it becomes available in their area. 
Um, the other way that patients or um, you know, other stakeholders could, could be involved, um, you know, in the investment community, Medevolve is a publicly traded company. Um, you know, we have some, some great plans there on the financial side. And you know, quite honestly, a lot of this stuff that, that's good for patients is really good for other stakeholders. Right. Um, and and you, know, you could stay in tune and, and look at medevolve.ca uh, um, for, for more updates and information there as, as we grow. Well, that's great. Hey, David, again, thanks so much for being with us here on I Don't Care. This is David Priner, sorry about that, Priner, the CEO of Medevolve. And so, well, uh, viewers and listeners, we, we've had another, uh, another great episode here on I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. And so thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it'll be up on the uh, marketscale.com website sometime on Friday. Uh, if you missed that, uh, make sure that you go to either Spotify or iTunes, and I'll close the show as I always do. If you haven't subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson yet, how come? So with that, have a great week, and we'll be talking again next week. Take care.